Hey everybody, um, we're back, finally with some normal content, um, and we've received some feedback that we cut each other off a lot, and so we are actually turning our cameras on for once, so that hopefully we don't talk over each other as much, because apparently that's something that people care about. Um, the feedback was from me listening to our own episode. <laughs> okay, well, but that wasn't whatever. the like, if it makes the Whatever, ep- if it makes the podcast better, then it makes it better. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know. I I tweeted about this, but it's hard to make fun of Joe Biden for falling up a flight of stairs because I've done that before. And I'm like, you know, however much younger than he is. A lot younger. But did you see that he said he's going to be a two-term president? Oh, that that rocks. I'm so, I'm so ready. Like, the the Trump-Biden debates we got were like, we got, you know, Sleepy Joe, and then we got, um... (laughs) we got Adderall Joe the second time. So I think mm. if we, we have a shot at like a proper like corn, like corn pop moment um, for the next debate. Especially if he's like 82. Oh yeah, no, he's 82. He'll be leaving when he's 86. Like that is like a true like end of the Soviet Union, like gerontocracy. Like at that point, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, that's Andrew Paul right there. I think it's uh, really funny that there's, like, a distinct possibility that we could just have Biden versus Trump round two. Oh, yeah. Just, like... Because <laughs> I feel like we were denied a lot of really funny... Because, like, you know, with COVID, they have an excuse to get Biden, like, sort of off the campaign trail and doing, like, you know, fairly scripted, like, campaign videos and stuff. But they don't have that excuse. You know, hopefully by 2024, the U.S. is approaching normal. So if they... And think about when Marianne primaries him. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready for Marianne to call, like, him someone who, like, aided and abetted the evil spirit that is, like, taking over U.S. politics. I mean, Marianne, like, I've said this before, I'm not sure if I've said it on air, but she is the farthest left you can go while still being, like, buying into the Democrats. And so, like... She's losing it, though. Right. No, she's losing it. And so, her, like saying like the same kind of I don't want to say unhinged because that's not being really nice to her but like the same sort of off the wall stuff that you're not used to hearing about in politics in 2024 in the aftermath of a Joe Biden presidency I'm really excited to see what the future holds for Marianne Williamson she's just so cool she just there's literally I don't know anybody as cool as Marianne Williamson Peter Dow is definitely up there if we're going with like blue checks Peter Dow had... Oh, I'm, I don't even mean blue checks. I just mean people. But Peter, like, Peter Dow... political figures, but, like, people. Peter Dow had a pretty good redemption arc, I gotta say. Yeah, well, he had... He went really from... the only redemption arc of any Clinton person. Yeah. Near a um, tandem, baby. <laughs> she almost had a redemption almost. arc. Almost. She was... Not the one we wanted, but almost. But... That would've been funny, though. That would've been... All right. That would've been great. I mean... So you want to get into it? This is... But her, with Tandon, it was just punishment for posting, and so I just... That's bad, yeah, I know. But anyway... It's mean punishment for the emails. <laughs> yeah. So do we want to get into them? Sure, we can get into some very uh, bleak prospects for the future. All right, well, we are going to be talking about two things today. Well, a continuation of the Forever Wars, which is uh, yeah. fucking great. 
the overall collapse of the American Empire yeah. and the Canadian monarchy. Yeah, two institutions that I'm a huge, huge... If, if you listen to the show, you know, my two favorite things in the world, the Canadian monarchy and the U.S. Empire. Real, real fans know that those are my two favorite things in the world, actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. Me too. This is just a this is just an incredibly long running bit that I'm like uh, some sort of leftist. I'm actually just a, a liberal party operative. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were like um, I don't know. I knew a guy who's like an absolute monarchist. Like un- an unironic monarchist. Yeah. That fucking owns. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I I actually think like especially like monarchists who are like Americans and put up pictures of like kaiser wilhelm that are like weird yeah like right? that's like, holy roman empire people are weird russians kind of weird but if you're like canadian and you're like yeah i want to empower the monarchy in canada yeah to do whatever it wants i think that's really cool. i mean yeah like the, the yeah the weirdest are like the people i mean it's the same with like the irish american sort of i'm really hesitant to call it a diaspora at this stage but like because they pretty much have just taken over a u.s state um, Several U.S. states. But I think, like, with Irish Americans, when they get really into talking about the IRA, because they're, like, so desperate for some sort of, like, not, not necessarily, like, folk heroes, but, you know, like, some sort of... History they can be proud some of. Some history, yeah, instead of some history outside of starving to death that they can be proud of, um, which I think is just a really sad state. Why didn't they just fish? <laughs> You're on an island. Just fish. But yeah, I mean... That's a joke, by the pe- way. People, I think, um, getting into monarchy is, like, in, insofar as, like, damaging politogram ideologies, I think it's the least, like, damaging. Like, if you're, like, a monarchist, like, that kind of leaves your options open. Whereas if you're, like... I think it depends, right? Because a lot of people call themselves monarchists, especially just, like, as a guise for being, like, actual fascists. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, you just think that a, a, a monarch should run everything. I, that on its own isn't that bad really no i mean i think i only really support monarchy if i'd be in charge i think otherwise i wouldn't be down but i think if i was in charge i'd be really down with monarchy yeah well we're gonna talk about monarchy and i think we're gonna have some disagreements on it later in the episode but i think i want to start uh with a place that used to have a monarch and it ended pretty badly yeah they (laughs) They made a whole musical about the one person that survived when the monarchy was... Bro, oh my god, Anastasia, I am constantly torn between that movie being like, wow, this is like a great film. This is a masterwork of the animated musical, and also, holy shit. This is This is one of the most disgusting works of propaganda (laughs) I've ever seen. I mean, people, like, the very specific subset of people who know enough about the Russian Revolution to be pro, like, Tsarist Russia... That is a level of, like, commitment that I think you need to respect at some level. Like, it's easy to be like, oh, communism bad. But I feel like if you're explicitly, like, life was better under the Tsar, that that rocks. That's that's a level of, yeah, of history like, walk um, that... Natalia Poklinska or yeah. I think, um... Well, I think the general opinion is that, like, yeah, the Tsar was bad, but they shouldn't have killed the kids. Yeah. I mean, obviously... <laughs> Um, I think I ran a debate motion once saying this house is the Bolsheviks would kill the kids. Um, (laughs) anyways, uh, so, um, I never, yeah, so, so we're talking about 
the east here, we're talking about the Ukraine, we're talking about Russia, and specifically the Donbass region. Um, because you wouldn't hear about it on the news. Hey, 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 sure Malcolm, Malcolm, I got one. I got one. Oh. Dudes who are down bad, more like dudes who are down bad. <laughs> oh my god. Let me know, no, let me know. Don't, don't tweet that. Sound off, sound off in the comments if you think that was a good one. Also donate to our yeah, Patreon. Yeah, actually do that. Um, but yeah, so Ukraine has been spotted, and we're going to talk about the context of this and everything, but, um, like, I don't know why we're not seeing a lot about this in the news. Probably because uh, it's really, like, when I was first reading about it, it made me really uncomfortable that it's like, oh yeah, we're just uh, running fighter sorties, like, in the Donbass region, and we're just moving, like, heavy, like, el- like electromagnetic, like, jamming machinery in, and just, like moving the instruments of war into this small region in Ukraine. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, it's so easy to make that into a Russia bad story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, I I don't know, I think... I feel like now, for the next, like, four months, it'll be China bad. True. I feel like, at this point, Russia, they're gonna, you know... I mean, the, the Putin and biden things have been hilarious to watch like putin like challenging joe biden to just a one-on-one conversation literally vosh but cool (laughs) debate me bro come on um yeah no that is funny uh but so yeah uh ukraine has been spotted moving heavy weaponry like really heavy hardware into the donbass region there have been repeated ceasefire violations in the region between russia russia-backed rebels in uh, in Ukraine, especially coming from Ukraine's side, um, if there's one thing the Russians know how to do well, it's wage a proxy war. They've they've honed their fucking craft in the same way that the U.S. has. Except they're actually good and, at it. You know, yeah, they're actually. A, I don't want. It's hesitant to call them an empire at this point, but like, they they could do it if they had the aspirations. They could, and I I I will also say. I mean, obviously, yes, Russia has imperial aspirations. I'm not, like, one of those, like, pro-Russia leftist weirdos. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're looking at places where there is Russian involvement, Venezuela, Cuba, Syria, mm-hmm. those are all places where Russia was asked to be. Yeah. And, Nobody and not, asked not, the U.S. Not to send in like a, to Iraq. Yeah, not, and they were asked to be there, but not in, like, a please save our country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no coup in Bolivia way. Yeah. You know... What's happening in Ukraine, it's a bit more ambiguous. So, um, yeah, I want to talk about that. So, the, what's happening... So, the Donbass is a, a region of, of eastern Ukraine that borders on Russia. Um, and so, so most of Ukraine, uh, by land, I believe also by population, doesn't actually speak Ukrainian, they speak Russian. And this is, of course, more prevalent the closer you get to Russia. Um, so, there's a border... Um, and Ukraine and Russia used to get along pretty well. Um, you know, the Russia kind of economically dominated Ukraine. It was sort of like a U.S.-Canada type of situation. Mm -hmm, Yeah. But then in 2014, there is a bloodless revolution, sort of like, you know, Portugal or whatever, in Ukraine that overthrows the government. Uh, it was... CIA backed, um, which you know it's it's nice to see them bringing the mojo back. I think um, the CIA has been in its flop era a little bit, and I think you know from time to time they needed the win. Sure. Now you know what? Yeah, all power to them. You're right. You're right. 
Um, so, after that, as a result of that, um, the Euromaidan movement and the revolution and everything um, became much more sort of pro-Europe, um, anti-Russia, uh, and specifically became somewhat oppressive towards Russian speakers. Um, and so in February uh, to March of 2014, Russia, of course, famously invaded Ukraine uh, to annex uh, pretty, Crimea, pretty much the peninsula. Yeah, they pretty much militarily like just barged in there, like completely pig-ticked them. <laughs> like yeah, it, it, and it, now it they claimed that Crimea was always Russian and it was occupied mm-hmm. by Ukraine. And in fairness, there was a referendum after it happened that. Uh, I remember reading these, like, articles that are like, oh, the Russians are bringing out Soviet-style, like, voter turnout tactics. And it was literally just, like, giving away food at the polls. Like, (laughs) it it, it ruled, like, I didn't realize it in hindsight, but it fucking, it rules that that's what they were going for. It's like, yeah, because they would, you know, for elections and whatever and, and matters that they wanted to consult the public with, they would bring out food, then give away. Yeah. In, in Soviet Russia, so it rocks that some journalists got to write that story. Oh, they're they're bringing out really cool, Soviet yeah. tactics to drive the voters to the polls, and it's here's some food, guys. So what do you think about like, the referendum? Like, don't you want more people to vote? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the legitimacy of that referendum aside, like they take Crimea, they believe it's legitimate. There are some backing in the UN, but the UN says it's not. Um. And this causes a crisis in Ukraine, because in the East, um, there are these huge protests by pro-Russian groups, um, specifically in the Donetsk and Luhansk regions in the Donbass, um, which say, like, hey, we want to be annexed, too. I swear there was... So, can, isn't there Canadian money tied up in Donetsk? Wasn't oh, that... I think that was oh. a... I think that was a Freeland thing. That, uh... Well, she's she's. But, I mean, I think no, we've talked she, about yeah, her we have at ties some point, to but Ukrainian Nazis. We, but I'm pretty sure that the Canadian government was funding some of those groups specifically in Donetsk, because like, whatever sort of imperial things that the U.S. goes off and does, like the U.S., you know, it's like, oh yeah, as long as you bring your brother along, and so we have to, uh, you know, we got like the one region in Afghanistan, right? We got Kandahar. Meanwhile, the yeah. U.S. took everything else, and so I think it was a similar thing with intelligence operations that like the u.s got most of donbass and we just got donetsk and that was our little playground it could be i mean i know for a fact that yes we were actually like helping out neo-nazi groups that was a christopher freeland thing Mm -hmm, which of course you know makes sense because her granddad who she was very close to was an actual nazi um anyway that's not slander that's that's true matter of public record um not only a nazi i I don't you know what i don't I don't think that's going to protect us. I'm going to be honest. If, if she fights this podcast, it's over. <laughs> Can you imagine? Miss Freeland, I, look. Miss Freeland, that was simply parody because we love you so much. There we go. I think that you're doing a better job than the Tories would. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think that you are doing a decent job of handling the economy and you're less corrupt than your predecessor. Oh, for sure. That's not... And you are definitely the best deputy prime minister we have had under the Trudeau administration. There we go. Boom. 
Um, it's, like, it's like sandwiching, you know? You gotta get, like, the positive thing, negative thing in the middle. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And also, your weird ties with the Ukrainian fur right are weird. Um, so, yeah, so they actually end up declaring the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics, respectively. Um, and so it starts uh, basically a civil war. Uh, and of course, Russia sees this as an opportunity to expand their influence into Ukraine again. Um, and so they employ what's called like a hybrid approach, uh, which is a combination of disinformation tactics, irregular fighters, regular Russian troops, conventional military support, etc., to destabilize the Donbass region. Um, and like the, the, the sort of concurrent chaos that the the concurrent chaos that the U.S. was doing in the Middle East in the 70s and 80s with the idea that, yeah, if, if we keep the fighting going between these groups, there's no way that they can sort of unify or yeah. or stand up to us. Yeah. Um, so the Ukrainian government, now take this with a grain of salt because it's the Ukrainian government, uh, says that at the height of the conflict in the summer of 2014, Russian paramilitaries were reported to make up 15 to 80 percent of the combatants. Now, of course, that's a very big range. Yeah. 15 to 80 percent. Like, that means nothing, but, like, Russia was involved. Um, and so, in April of 2014, Ukraine launches a conventional military counteroffensive. Um, and so, uh, it takes, uh, a few months, um like, five, four or five months, to uh, basically push them all the way down. Uh, they came close to regaining control of the Russo-Ukrainian border. Uh, and so what Russia does is it abandons its hybrid approach um, and just invades uh, the Donbass. Uh, and it takes them three days, uh, and they push Ukraine all the way back, um, partly because they're giving out humanitarian aid as they go, so people mm -hmm. are actually happy to see them there. Um, I think the and, U.S. could maybe uh, take a page or two out of their book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's an escalation because they're not just entering areas that are still controlled by the Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic, but they're also entering parts of the Donbass which are occupied by Ukrainian forces. So, this was an escalation, but within three days, they had just absolutely routed the Ukrainian military, um, which is uh, pretty embarrassing for yeah. them. And so since then, you know, like, the Ukrainian military operation, the offensive supposedly went until 2018, but it didn't really get anywhere. Um, the war is, you know, still going on. Um, but things are escalating. So, uh... A few days ago, a Ukrainian sniper killed a civilian in the Donbass, shot him, an old guy. Um, and Which, so, as, as we all know, is great for keeping any sort of like local militia or insurgency. If you kill a random civilian, they're going to love you. They're not going to want to fight back at all. Exactly, exactly. It's, very, it's a very well-known tactic. Yeah. Um, and so like things are escalating. People are scared. Um you know, on both sides, in Donetsk and Luhansk, they're like, oh my god, if we lose, they're going to come in, they're going to take away all our rights as Russian speakers. You know, we have to win, we have to become part of Russia. Russia says, if we lose, which they, you know, if we lose, first of all, we lose control of the border, second of all, we're under all these sanctions now, um, we've lost international standing, uh, 
all for nothing. Ukraine says if we lose, that's our territorial sovereignty ever gone. That's gone our hopes of ever regaining Crimea. That's invitation for Russia to try again. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, so everyone's got a pretty big. This stake. is very deep in the the fuck around and find out doctrine. I think we're in the process of finding out at this point. Yes, because it's getting There's bad. Been, it's because... been almost seven years of fucking around. So, you know, you remember that time, the first time that President Trump got impeached? Oh, that was so cool. Do you remember what he got impeached for? So, I I mean, this has all got memory hold, obviously, because it happened, like, just before COVID, so... But I, it was... I know that Ukraine was involved. I know that the words yes. quid pro quo were involved. And that is literally all that I managed to get from it. And the whole time I was watching the coverage, I was laughing my ass off because what are they going to like what are they going to do? Yeah. So, um the president of Ukraine is this guy named Vladimir Zelensky. Um he became famous by being an actor who played the president in a comedy. Perfect. And then after he stopped doing that, he actually ran for president and won. In 2019, it was reported that Zelensky had a phone call with President Trump where Trump allegedly pressured him to investigate Hunter Biden. So wait. So... You're telling me that we could... We could have a former Doctor Who actor who played Doctor Who as the British Prime Minister. Who would it be? No, and from the thick of it. Fucking I, oh, I Capaldi. Capaldi completely slipped my mind. Oh my god. Capaldi I, he, is a lovely man. He could do it. I think, I think he could pull it off. He's the guy who would bring Labour into Westminster finally. Yeah. No, he'd he'd do it into Number Ten. Yeah. So um. Trump basically allegedly blocked and then later released payment of a congressionally mandated $400 million military aid package to obtain quid pro quo cooperation from from Zelensky in order to get information about Hunter Biden. Oh, that's Um, so cool. He got impeached for it, not, not he, but he got acquitted, right? And so that was a completely survivable scandal for Trump, but it was bad for Zelensky. I saw an interview with him a few weeks ago. Right, because if he agrees to that, he's like... Inten- he did. He's intentionally fucking over his own military, and you know, then by extension, his own the sovereignty well, of his country. Well, I mean, country. if like if you're in his shoes, there's not much you can do. If if the president of America calls you and says, "Hey, these half a billion dollars I've got for your military, I'm not giving it to you unless you give me this intelligence which you've yeah. illegally gathered," you're going to give him the intelligence. But when it comes out that you've done that, the fact that you've been gathering uh, illegal intelligence on Joe Biden's son. And now Joe Biden's the president. That's bad. Yeah. So I, I, hope, I hope that I hope, has basically I hope destroyed Biden, his political career. I hope Biden gets impeached for something Ukraine related. That would just make it all. That would be full so circle. funny. And then make it an election issue in twenty twenty four. That I need would be that. so funny. But yeah, so it actually it's it's really really damaged his his political career. Um. You know, I saw an interview with him a few weeks ago, and he's like still angry about it. I mean, like I would be too. Uh, yeah um and so he i mean it's the rule of low popularity presidents you start a war um 
Yeah, I'm, I'm it's working, a way for him to save his career. I'm working my way through Family of Secrets right now, and yeah, that's mm. <laughs> yeah. you know Bush's approval rating what fifty two percent, and then it went to ninety one percent when nine eleven happened, and then dipped back down into the thirties until he you know started the Iraq War. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Ninety two percent. Ninety two percent, like on like a poll conducted like September thirteenth. Well, you know. In fairness, I guess he did a good job of doing that. <laughs> great job. He did a great job. Yeah. So, um, Ukrainian, the head of the Ukrainian ground forces is also in uh, Turkey now for a quote-unquote official visit. Turkey and Ukraine are not officially allies by any measure. They both just really don't like what Russia's doing. They just don't like Russia. So, yeah, um, what happens if actual fighting between Russia and Ukraine breaks up? Well, Russia will win. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. Like, Mostly no because way... Ukraine's allies aren't going to be willing to put in the political capital that they need to to win the war. Russia, well, and it's like, Russia's look, a lot more willing to, you know, go to bat for that region than any sort of coalition would be at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and, and look, like, we didn't take military action against Russia for their, what they did in Crimea. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, it would definitely lead to condemnation of Russia and further sanctions. But at this point, it looks like China is building up this trade block of countries sanctioned by America. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Iran and Russia. So, like, it's... I mean, we really get to, you know, we get to live through the second time as far as when it comes to the Cold War. Which well, I'm yeah, really I mean, look, I, I think a little bit ago we were just joking about how, um, you know, it's not a real Cold War because America and China are just completely economically dependent on each other. Yeah, and now... Um, and now China looks to be trying to sever that, and that's going to be better for them because they're less dependent on America than America yeah. is on them. Right? America is still, pri- like, it's half resource, half uh, service, and China is also half resource, half service, but a lot more of both um Mm -hmm. so uh there are a few ways it could go right ukraine starts to lose and they escalate um they try and invade crimea um or they you know commit to like a full shooting war with russia it's possible uh they'd lose that though too for sure like no matter how much Ukraine escalates. If Russia escalates in turn, Ukraine loses. Yeah, well, because, um, like, I, you know, like I said before, n- Ukraine on its own obviously isn't going to be able to take Russia, and no ally of Ukraine is going to be willing to put in as much as it would require to fight off, like, an actual invading Russian force. Yeah. Now, it is possible that if that happened, if it, like, really escalated, like, really, really, yeah. like escalated to the point where Russia is doing a full invasion and pushing to the Dnieper um, river, uh, that might save Zelensky. Right, because then he gets to fully mobilize the country around him. He gets to fully mobilize the country, he becomes a nationalist symbol, even if he loses. Um, it, yeah, I mean, either they lose that all-out war, and he becomes, yeah, the guy who went down with the ship, or they win, and it's a huge win. You know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because if somehow, somehow they manage to win, first of all, they won't, they won't, uh, the, the, they won't 
push into Russia at all. Like, Russia could push into Ukraine all the way to the Dnieper, maybe. That's sort of where it would be hard to logistically uh, and politically support going any further. Um, and also, once you get past the Dnieper, Russian speaking starts to go way down, and <laughs> yeah. so you probably wouldn't be able to justify it. Um, but uh, Ukraine could not justify an invasion of Russia, right? It would be like, I guess an equivalent if you are pro-Ukraine in this issue, it would be if Britain mounted a full-scale invasion of Argentina after retaking the Falklands. We don't have to discuss your views on the Falkland Islands and well, the look, Falkland Islands. Yes, I believe that it would have been justifiable. That's a joke. That's a joke. I don't I don't actually you, think that. You, you, um, you've done that bit for way too long, but I feel like we need to clarify that, yes, the Falklands War was only done by, by Margaret Thatcher so that she could keep her popularity of, and be a wartime prime minister. Well, and also, it's completely legitimate to defend your territory. Like, yes, it absolutely <laughs> saved Thatcher's career, um, but any other prime minister also would have been legitimate in going in to do that. Like, if you're invaded, you have every right to defend yourself. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, Ukraine stands to gain a propaganda victory from this. Russia stands to gain a propaganda victory from this. If they manage, like, if... Like, if it goes disastrously wrong for for Ukraine, and not only does Russia hold the Donbass region, but expands beyond the Donbass region, um, which they might try and do, um, Ukraine, I mean, NATO will look at Ukraine and think, okay, fuck that, right? Like, we'll just mm-hmm. leave the rest as a buffer state, let Russia screw with them, uh, and stick to the Baltics as their main frontier with Russia. Um, China will look at that and be like, wow, I want these guys as a military ally. And then you might start getting NATO drawback from areas like the Caucasus, right? You might get Russia being much more comfortable taking more chunks out of Georgia or supporting Armenia if tensions rise with Azerbaijan again, right? Like, you could see all of these things or even the, the people dedicating more to Syria, combating Turkish influence. Like, I, I can see... International political correspondents will have fodder for fucking years if Russia decides to decades. keep going. Yeah. Decades. If Russia, like, wins this decisively... Like, I'm not talking about the way in which Canada won the War of 1812. Like, I'm, like, decisively decisively. We still burned down the White House, though, lols. Oh, no, we absolutely won, but, like, there was that one war aim of establishing the Indigenous Confederacy in the Midwest that we didn't get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, really unfortunate. Um, so, like, that would be a huge, huge victory for Russia. So you can see why, like, but again, if they lose, and, uh, like, Russia seems to be reluctant to do this simply because initially going into it, like, yes, winning would be big, but going into it would be a hit to them. Um, like, if they lose, then right. that's it. You're staking, like, he would have to go. You're staking a ton of political capital at that point. And, you know, we can get into the specifics of what's been going on on the ground. I mean, if you, ha- if you know the at of that Twitter account off the top of your head, or we can put it in... ASB. It's like ASP World News or something. Oh, well, there's world news and then there's a military news. Right, so they've been detailing all of the sort of intricacies of what's going on in Donbass right now. And I mean, you know, the F-35 jets that I think it was Britain was taking off from Cyprus and flying sorties over the area. And, you know, obviously the F-35 was doing F-35 shit and just not working. So they they had to suspend those surveillance flights and... 
at this point, the U.S. and its empire, like, we say this a lot, but this is, it's not the death spiral or anything, but it's obviously in decline. Like, you go from... No, it's the death spiral. But you go from, you know, the the peak and not sort of the the decadent period, I think, was the 90s onwards. And I think sort of the peak ends in, like, the 70s. And -hmm. at this point, yeah, like, we're sort of exiting the decadence, you know, and we're winding down pretty directly into, you know, what does the world look like after America isn't an international superpower anymore? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't um, any British F-35s. What it was was that Britain transferred their military units um, from Romania uh, into Ukraine. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to talk about more about the U.S. Empire dying in a second, specifically, but uh, also big news out of North Korea. Um, at the moment, Japan and South Korea's emergency as of recording, which is... Right now, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the 24th of March. Um, Japan and South Korea's emergency defense councils are meeting because the DPRK has fired two ballistic missiles into the Pacific Ocean. Um, This is their second test in two weeks. Uh, Last weekend, it was probably... There's also two projectiles, probably cruise missiles or, like, very long-range artillery. But this weekend, they're testing ballistic missiles again. Which uh, is a direct challenge to Biden. I mean, I'm again, like all the content we got of Trump's meetings with North Korea, I'm I'm very excited for the Biden version. I don't think he will, but um... those photos, man. There's just there's that energy of him just have of Trump having that shit eating grin on his face. He's just so happy. He's in his oh, element. I... He's thinking like, oh, I'm making the deals. I'm making I'm making everyone happy. Everyone well, that's the me. thing. Like, that's that's why, honestly, at this point, Biden is turning out to be worse than Trump because, like, Biden buys into all of this, right? Like, Trump was so narcissistic; can, he thought he could do it his way, you and he could, go... but he thought he could, and so he was like the individual. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna fix it." Like, we got bad relations with North Korea. Well, I'll meet the guy. I'll get a we'll, deal hammered. We'll, we'll go and we'll make a deal, folks. And then, of course, he underestimates the power of John Bolton's fucking psychotic defense clique that sabotaged the talks in Vietnam. Um, but he tried, right? And that's big. Now, in fairness, he also, you know, individually, because he thought he could do something better, messed up other things, like the Iran nuclear deal, mm-hmm. which is now never going to come no, back. No, there's because, no way. Because how are you... Like, the only way it comes back is if Biden stops being a true believer in the idea that America should be able to dictate what smaller countries right, do. Right, and there's... And... There's yeah unless that happens you're not getting Iran back into the deal. No, because like Iran is rightly so saying we went into this once on good faith, and you fucked with us. So you lower the sanctions and then we'll get rid of our nuclear weapons program. I and mean, that's not going to happen because you know. And that's not going to happen because Biden is going to say no. Like we're keeping. And I can the see I can see the position of like if this was the first time I could see why the U.S. would want that. I obviously wouldn't agree with it, but I could, like, I could see the logic. But the second time around, like you, they, you, the United States is in no position to expect Iran to, to deal with them in good faith. At no, point. and I don't think the U.S. intends to either. No, no, they, they're actively ramping up for war. Like The idea of Biden's policy on this regard is to create a standoff. Yeah, yeah. Force, it's to, force like, Iran right tank. before... 
right before Iran actually gets to nuclear weapons, Biden will be like, okay, this has gone far enough. You do this or we will authorize Israel to start bombing you. And then Israel will start bombing Iran and the entire Middle East will erupt because of all of the groups in the Middle East which rely on Iran for survival. You know, Hezbollah, Bashar al-Assad, various Kurdish groups in Iraq and Syria, you know, the Houthis in Yemen, will all realize that if the U.S. does invade and conquer Iran, which, by the way, they would have a hard time doing, um, if the U.S. does invade and conquer Iran, they're done as well. Um, you know, it's sort of like how everyone was like, oh, uh, well, Saddam Hussein is connected to uh, al-Qaeda. And it wasn't true, but with Iran it is. Right. Right, like... Obviously not the same It's not in of, the same bush, like, oh, it's an axis of evil or anything like that. No, and it's, it's, it's not... It's the groups that Iran sort of... are funding, like, actual Islamic groups like Hezbollah and the Houthis are nowhere near as bad as Al-Qaeda or, you know, what the U.S. was doing with giving guns to ISIS. Mm-hmm. Um, or what Turkey's doing in Syria, right? Like, they're not that bad. And they also give, you know, weapons and money to secular leaders like Assad, um, you know, minority groups like the Kurds. So, like, it's it's not quite the same. But but still, like, Iran is... And of course they would. Like, why wouldn't they? Or they're trying to build up, you know, a right. strong they need Right, and they need that deterrence, right? It's, it's like, we're not going to go full Posadism on this show, sadly, and say that everyone should have nukes. But I think... If you're that smaller country, you want the nuke. And you have no reason to re-enter a nuclear deterrence deal with with the U.S. at this stage. Well, even like even beyond that, and yes, I agree, you're right. Like I don't think anyone should have nukes, but if one country has nukes and every other country has the right, unimpeded. But I also think, like, if you're Iran, right, you are the most powerful country in that region. Um, everywhere else is incredibly unstable as a result of this imperial axis in America, Israel, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey. Why wouldn't you try and stabilize it, right? Like, why wouldn't you try and exert your influence in Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, to, uh, you know, Qatar, to to try and um, stabilize your own backyard in your favor? Like, why wouldn't you? That's how you do it, right? Like, if America balkanized, I would have no problem with Canada being like, okay, well, maybe we need to install a friendly government in New England so those assholes in the Midwest don't try and invade us, right? Yeah, like we need it, to install it, a friend. We need to, um, you know, stage our own um, Pearl Harbor and then invade Cascadia and take it over. Well, yeah, Cascadia is rightful. Canadian I just think I think it's just a way cooler name, and we don't have to, you know, commemorate any Italians. So I think it's exactly, sort of a, yeah. it's sort of a win-win, really. British Cascadia. You just include what it's like. What California, Washington State, Oregon? Is it like? Is it include California or is it just Washington and Oregon? No, California isn't part of Cascadia. So I so then California just becomes its own state. It just joins the EU. Yeah, I mean, it joins the got EU more becomes an EU social democracy. Like they, they could, yeah. Well, no, California is not a social democracy. They're a bureaucratic nightmare, right? Like they are the Mike Bloomberg 
of states. They realized at some point that having some social welfare programs was efficient. At this point, they've realized that underfunding those social welfare programs and then pretending they're working fine is the most efficient thing to do. So everyone comes to their state being like, wow, it was great here. And then, you know, the ones who aren't going to generate new revenue for the government starve in favelas. And the ones who uh, are going to generate money for the government succeed. Yeah, and they, you know, go on to make tech startups where you get to analyze your and gaslight your employees and use AI to find out their most productive workspace. Yeah. Such as... Oh, yes. Oh, Let's get go. into that. We are taught... That was a good transition. I didn't even see segments. that one coming. I did not even see that one coming. So, I think a few weeks... One week ago, two weeks ago, we talked about how we were avoiding a hot button issue. Right. We didn't want to speak too soon on the royal family. Mm-hmm. But I think temperatures have cooled a little bit, um, and so we want to talk about. And there's new news, yeah, that uh, has not been really dialogued out, and so we want to talk about uh, talk about it. So context: um, a few years ago, two years ago maybe, uh, His Royal Highness uh, Prince Harry, um, Duke of Sussex, married a American Canadian actress named Meghan. Uh, formerly Markle, now Windsor, obviously, Windsor Mountbatten. Um, and they, uh, you know, they were very popular because, you know, they're young, they're different, they're rebellious or, or whatever. Um, they're actually, um, they're, they're synergizing the royal family. They're, they're, oh, they're yeah, disruptors. Like yeah. And much, uh, much well, in actually, the, that was sort of much, part of it. Much right? in the like, spirit of that... Um, what does the darling Prince Harry with, you know, yeah, Meghan Markle as his wife, what do they go and do? They, they sort of leave their royal duties, you know? They, they took a step back, I think was the line that the, um, the royal family sort of put out that that's what they did. And what does Prince Harry do? Because there's nothing, there's nothing else left if you're that high up in society then join a tech startup as a consultant. Well, I think we need to we need to provide a bit of context before we get to the tech quote unquote startup. Um, like yes, you also probably heard of the interview, um, but so it started out where they were actually treated really badly by the media because there was this perception where his his royal highness uh, prince William, right, the the actual heir to the throne, was like the upright one. Um, you know, the one who did his duties, and Harry was sort of more rebellious, more of his own person, you know, showed up to parties in a Nazi uniform, uh, had a beard, stuff like that. He actually did do that, by the way. Um, and, uh, so, and, and, uh, Duchess of Sussex, Megan, is mixed race, half black, and so there was some, ra- they were being treated racistly by the media, British media, um... Right, the British... I said this in our other episode, but the British tabloids are fucking next awful. level. They are... Oh, they they're are terrible. They're, they're if you, absolutely... If you're, like, in, like, a grocery store and you see, like, a... What's the... It's, like, People's, the big American one, right? Yeah. If you, like, think of the nastiest story on there and then multiply it by ten and also make it really transphobic and really homophobic... That's the average story run in a British tabloid. I'm not racist. I just think that Kate Bird's a bit, bit of a plonker, isn't it? It's just um, just a horrible country. It's it's horrid. No, and like they were absolutely right too. You know, they ended up suing some some of them. 
Um, and they did some really bad things. So um, Megan's dad was like leaking letters of that they were writing each other because they had a really bad relationship and private details of their relationship. And obviously, rightly, she was very angry about that. Um, and they get married, hugely celebrated. You know, they're, everyone's hopeful, like, oh, this is going to sort of, it's a breath of fresh air for this institution and things like that. And then, yeah, so they end up retiring. Uh, they moved to Canada and then America. And a few weeks ago, they put out this quote-unquote tell-all interview with uh, Oprah Winfrey um, talking about how badly they were treated in the royal family. Um, Which they were. How... They were mm. treated. They were treated badly. I don't think that's really debatable. They were treated badly by the media. I really contest a lot of the things they talk about were simply in like to me as you know. Well, I guess you call me a royal watcher, somebody who knows the institution fairly well. Um, Megan struggling to adapt to the rules of the institution and the, the formalities, which is okay. Like, it's it's fine that they retired. It's okay. I don't mind that at all. Um, I mind what they were saying about it, right? And so, for example, she said it was racist that her baby didn't get a title. But it's literally just because her baby is not in line. Right, there wasn't, en- there wasn't enough incest involved, and so her baby doesn't get a royal title. Like, and, and the second that... Uh, Prince Charles becomes king that that child will have a title even now um, and she's like oh well it's racist that they did that they're not going to give me security whatever like it's it's literally just that they are on the extremities of the royal family and they seem to be wanted to, to take it over right they they talked about one thing that really made me angry was that they were talking about how Prince Charles wasn't picking up the phone which first of all why would you do your own dad like that yeah but second of all, I think it's really funny that a lot of the complaints that rightly so Megan had was, oh, well, my dad is leaking the, the insider details of uh, our family relationship. And then the second they get their chance to talk on their own, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, we, don't, we don't talk to Harry's dad. <laughs> um, Which... So anyways, yeah. Like, it, it, it... They were absolutely treated unfairly by the media. Um they were not treated unfairly by the royal family. They just, like, she just couldn't adapt to the institution, which is okay. Um, I think that, like, one of the earliest fights between William and Harry was supposedly that, you know, William married, waited 10 years to marry Kate just to make sure that she was going to be right for it, she was going to be okay with it and stuff like that. And he told Harry to do something similar because he was going to marry Megan after, like, a year or something, and they got in a big fight, and now it turns out that William was right. Anyways, so, um, yeah, so now that they're free, now that they've replaced the the British media engine with the American media engine, and they've become the darlings of America, now that they've got an incredibly low approval rating in Britain and such, um, Harry has gotten a job. Tech wow. startup. Yeah, he's working for... My favorite thing was reading the headline and being like, oh, and seeing billion-dollar tech startup. It's it's the only way, it's the only place to go nowadays. You cannot have a startup that is worth a billion dollars. I mean, so anything's a, anything's a startup if you just use enough Silicon Valley language. 
Oh, so true. Um, so it's this company called Better Up. Uh, and His Royal Highness has joined it as a Chief Impact Officer. Hmm. That, which has a that's very... so silly. Uh, that rules. That's something... It's so Silicon Valley. That... Well, it's got a very lengthy description, but basically what he does, and this is really funny, okay, he talks to donors, he advocates for it, he raises money, he talks to the public about what they do. Does that sound familiar to you, Declan? Isn't that what the royal family does? This is literally what the royal family does. It's literally what he <laughs> to, ran away from. To be fair. Except instead, instead of doing it for like countless charities across Britain, now he's doing it for some blood-sucking Silicon Valley fair, vampire. Though, he is the most qualified for the job. Are you saying he's not qualified? Are you saying someone who isn't qualified for their job shouldn't be allowed to work in the field, even if it's in the private sector? Clearly, you don't have the lived experience of a royal. Well, and that's I don't the other understand thing. how you can I, I was talking judgment. to my our friend and, and frequent guest Tasha about this, and I said something along the lines of like, you know, even for me as somebody who supports maintenance of the constitutional monarchy or whatever, this is hilarious. It's it, it's well, it's funny for me to say it, but it's like inexcusable nepotism because. I think it's different to be born into a job, um, right? Like, he was born into the job of being the Duke of Sussex mm-hmm. uh, and being a prince. He didn't get a say. He didn't get a say. And eventually he did, and he exercised that say, and he retired, and that's fine. And that job came with a lot of perks, like money and stuff like that. And also, you know, he had to be in the military, whatever. Like, But he was born into a job. I think it's very different to be born into a job than to be born into wealth and fame, which allow you to leverage your position into getting a job. Yeah. Like, is that a distinction that you think is okay to make? I think, well, I mean, at the end of the day, you end up, yeah, like you said, at the same vampiric startup. But yeah. at some level, with there's some sort of like cooperation, I think, that standard sort of nepotism implies that being born into the role doesn't like right. if you're yeah. born yeah, into the royal true. family yeah you can back out but if you're willingly taking a job that you're only being afforded because of who you were born that's sort of the nepotism line that, that there's mm-hmm. at some level who, the person who's taking that job is in on it and you know willing yeah yeah i i think so i okay like, I, I, I wanted to make sure that was a reasonable take, and otherwise it would be recorded an absolutely awful take right here on the podcast for everyone to know. Um, so, okay, but let's talk about what Better Up does. Because calling it a Silicon Valley... Uh, I feel like we... Company, yeah, I feel like if you if you don't know what this is, and you've just heard us talk about this startup, you'd, you'd think we were being pretty cruel. But, so... One of the clients that they mainly cite is um, this app called, I believe it's Workday, which, Mm -hmm. um, Malcolm, have you ever had an exam, like, in your online classes, proctored? Yes, and actually, uh, really, I've been screwed over by Have you ever had to use any, like, proctoring software, or is it just, like, a live proctor? Uh, I've had to use proctoring software. Okay, imagine proctoring software, but it is on whenever you are working. Yeah. That is what that's what Workday is. It's like ostensibly like a, some sort of payroll app, but 
it has surveillance that lets you, you know, optimize the the workday. And, and it, of course, you remember, if that company is based in America, if it's a Silicon Valley company, Patriot Act, all that money, all that information about you, about your habits, yeah, your face, your facial recognition the, stuff, the, uh, goes right to the websites the that it catches you going in the on. Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, so what they do, uh, how it works. So it's a coaching experience aligned to your business strategy. We develop high-performing cultures that fuel business growth uh, for coaching for all, not just the C-suite. You know, they've got AI, personalized assessment, digital learning programs, insights, and analytics. Basically, what they do is they use AI and psychoanalysis to make you as productive as possible. Right. As work. So they will psychoanalyze all your workers. So you'll bring in a, a psychoanalyst and they'll analyze everyone and then they'll say, oh, well, this person might benefit from being given this many breaks. And we will determine that by you know changing their working situation and using ai to determine like their when they were at their most productive yeah well also ai to recommend which coach they're going to use for them just which insane. basically means yeah like just insane you're analyzing their behavior yeah um you're, and so the fact that they're working with an app like workday which yeah is responsible for tracking you know employees that are working from home and finally enjoying some sort of independence from the office culture now surveilling them 24 7 and well, giving and recommending them to fucking life coaches hey so that they can the, you know work better it's just insane they don't just do uh places like workday they also work for famous companies that are very good to their employees like like airbnb and google and hilton and lyft it's not all bad. Oh, and Warner Brothers, too. That's so cool. These companies are all famous for treating their workers great. I mean, is the, these are the companies that are, like, keeping America as, like, the, the large, one of the largest GDPs in the world. Like, that. Th yeah. th it's these companies, these middlemen that will... Yeah, it's consulting. America is now the land of consulting. And if you're not... Cons the, the money is in consulting. It's not in making things or even doing things. It's in telling other people how to do and make things better. And eventually you run out of people who are making things because it's all been exported to other countries. And then you realize that you're no longer a global empire. The picture they've got for His Royal Highness looks really messed up. It looks like, if you go on their website and look, it looks like him if he was American. <laughs> well, I'm sure... Do you think that's not intentional? No, it's 100% intentional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, they, they claim it's all about mental health and stuff like that, but it's really... That's, that's so... It's like, yeah. And, and that's why he's there. Like, they, it seems like they've gaslighted him, too. Yeah. Because, um, like, a, a, because a, key, a key part of the Oprah interview was that Markle was suffering from depression and that it wasn't treated well enough by the royal family. And I think... This company is using that to leverage her husband into a position of power so that it looks like he's doing activism for that cause, which is Yeah, well, also, he's insane. also talked about the depression. I mean, like, that's, that's why, that's another thing that I was kind of skeptical about, because, like, it's very famous that Prince Charles has been in therapy for 50 years, Princess Diana was in therapy, Princess Margaret was in therapy, right? Like, there are actual palace therapists... So, like, anyways, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, like, it's it's something that the two of them talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, you should come work for a company. We help 
mental health for those poors. Because, like, there is no way that either of them really understands what it's like no. to work in class. And it's, you know, like, that's life experience. And, you know, Megan, I guess, grew up kind of poor, but she's never, like, worked an office job. She's just being an actor. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Harry, like, the cavorting with commoners that he's done was just being an actor. Being in the military, yeah. And, I mean, there's that. Flying helicopters. We got that one video of him giving an interview, and then some drill gets called or whatever, and he just, like, turns That's over and runs. just starts sprinting. <laughs> it's a funny video. It's so good. It's, you can put any audio over it. We, need, we need to keep the uh, the royal family around for things. It's like we need to keep America around. We need to have, like, ceremonial Americans. And I think we can have ceremonial royal family, too. Like, even in a more ceremonial role than they are, because they're still technically our head of state. So I think if we just keep them around for clips like that, and they can just keep like reproducing, and yeah, just you know they'll they'll be young and they'll you know they'll get their fifteen minutes of fame in interviews, and then when they grow up, yeah, we get clips like the the Prince Harry sprinting, and then when they're old, we get to make fun of them like Prince Philip. Well, why don't we talk about getting rid of them? Uh, are we allowed to do that? Is that not? Is this this is all non-actionable? By the way, this is all parody and satire. Oh, that's not. That's not what I mean. Oh. You just did a Freudian slip there, my friend. Oh, my bad, my bad. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we're, we're, so uh, reforming the Canadian Constitution so that we are no longer a constitutional monarchy and instead a republic is a good thing, guys. We want reform, not any sort of revolution. <laughs> okay. So within the context of Canada, obviously, like, it's different in every other country that maintains the Windsor monarchies. It's different in every monarchy. Um, something that is to my pleasure and probably your chagrin <laughs> is that it is literally impossible to remove constitutional monarchy from the Canadian from Canada god damn um, it it's funny so basically the way constitu- so the monarchy is part of our constitution it's not anything separate it's it's in the Constitution, which is the case for most countries that have them. That's, you know, constitutional monarchy. But um, the way constitutional reform works in Canada is you have to get the consent of the provinces. Which, well, you know, we're a confederacy. We are a loose, like, provinces mm-hmm. have more power over your life than, than, than the federal government does. Um... And there are several provinces in this country which would all say, okay, we'll vote for your reform, but since you're opening it up, why don't you add this? Yeah. If it's Quebec or Alberta or the Maritimes. I mean, I think I think um, it would be very funny if we got Wexit, personally. It would be... I think that if Albertan separatism actually kicked up, uh, we should deal with it the same way that uh, Pierre Trudeau dealt with the FLQ. <laughs> Parody, non-actionable. Can you imagine, like, Jason Kenney's, like, popularity is, like, it's already nosediving, but it starts, like, hitting, like, single digits, and he starts, like, a Wexit war of independence to try and boost his popularity. I'm so that ready. That would be really funny. I would, that is the only way you could get me to sign up for the RCMP. Literally the only way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, that's that's the problem, is that, like, Quebec 
has no fond connections to the monarchy, obviously. But, uh, you know, actually support for the monarchy is funnily enough highest among indigenous people in Canada. Because um, they were treated the best by the monarchy. <laughs> which, is a, well, which is a fucking sad state of affairs that are well, it's historically the, they the country of Canada. Their treaties. Yeah. They view their treaties as, like, tied to the crown. And so, like, it's their guarantor of, of the treaties. And so, in their view, like, without the crown there are no trees and so that's why you know in the wake of the quebec uh especially the 1995 quebec referendum uh indigenous groups in northern quebec basically said if quebec cedes we secede um and they voted on that one that passed by 95 percent um that was a very famous pierre trudeau quote from the uh the earlier referendum it's like if quebec uh, sorry if canada is divisible quebec is divisible um, Fuck around and, and so it's the idea that if Quebec voted for independence, we just keep the north, with, so that we get our land bridge. We don't have to Pakistanize. We get our land with, bridge. With to, regards uh, to uh, you know, say what you will about his policies, but you got to respect a politician that's willing to like big dick his way through life like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why everyone hated him. Yeah. Well, like, literally, he was like you know he was like his son that he he makes started off he makes all the wants on this and the wave of popularity. Really he started off in this wave of popularity. Everyone loved him. He gets elected. There's this, like, one-month-long honeymoon period, and then he becomes the most hated politician in Canada and still wins every single election for 20 years. He rocked. Like, how does he do it? He rocked. So, yeah, that's that's what's going to happen with his son as well. Anyways, so if we were to open up the Constitution, Alberta would demand stuff, Quebec would demand stuff, um, and so, no, even the most committed Republican, even if you gave... Declan, you know, if you put Declan, uh, in in twenty four Sussex, uh, which I think you should do. I think I will. Um, I'll st- I'll lead the Labour in- or the Green NDP coalition. I think uh, I'm the guy to do it. Put me as your deputy PM, and I'll do it's, it. Uh, it's called dialectics or something, actually. Yeah, um, like he wouldn't do it either. No, no. I would. I would simply uh, pass all the laws to make it happen. Did you know that Stephen Harper wanted to make Prince Andrew a uh, Governor General of Canada? That's so cool. Obviously, before we knew about... I mean, <laughs> Harper is like... He's it, so funny. It's, it's so crazy because he is a fail dad at the same time that his son is a fail son. It's like... Yeah. Like Ben Harper, like... He's part of the uh, the cult of the conservative large son that I am uh, strongly <laughs> pushing back against. But um, yeah, yeah, like it's it's impressive that you know both the son and the and the the dad both have horrible reputations and are still like moderately successful in what they do. Like I think Ben Harper is like some, you know, the Canadian equivalent of CPAC, like the the average CPAC attendee. Right. But you know, he's this yeah. sort of Canadian conservative that is very vocal and he gives speeches and really at that point if you're the son of a former prime minister. And you don't really have that much of an interest in politics, at least now. Like, you're a bit mm-hmm. young, so you may as well just collect your speaking fees while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Respect the hustle. I do. I You gotta respect the hustle. Hey, speaking of speaking fees... <laughs> Margaret Trudeau, eh? Oh, yeah. Love it. We love yeah. her, don't we, folks? Yeah. True girl boss. Anyways, that's all we've got. Yeah, I mean, we, we really... Uh, not exactly a slow week. I mean, yeah, we, we neglected to talk about Joe Biden falling over, but I think that's... Who cares? Exactly. 
Yeah, he's old and senile. We get it. Who cares? Um, I just wish I had, you know, this is not an endorsement of their podcast, but I wish I could do a Joe Biden as well as Nick Mullen can. He, on, on Comtown, he's got a next level Joe you, Biden You know, the, the funniest thing about that podcast is there's this glitch on my Spotify podcast page that has me subscribed to them and makes me listen to every single one of their episodes and I, I can't That's so weird. Unsubscribe. Yeah, me too. Huh. It's incredible. Anyways, same with same with uh, those two ladies in that Red Scare podcast. Yeah, they're just like it's just there's this glitch that that just made it you know my favorite podcast. That's actually cancelable. I didn't say that. Yeah. If you heard that, no, you didn't. Mal- Malcolm has definitely not bought every single color of that one sweatshirt they released. I actually have not bought Red Scare merch. You sh- you should have bought that that one sweater. Hey, Declan, want to see something really cringe? What? You guys can't see this, but he's showing me he's showing me the shoe on head plush. I think I'm gonna get you. I think I'm gonna get you a mason jar for your birthday. Do, do not. That would be. I would have to explain that. All right. Um, and I think. All right. Anyways. On that note. That's it for me. I've been Declan. I've been Malcolm. And this has been your Juno for the week. So uh, we hope you guys are happy with it. Stay safe out there. You better be.